0: Hey everyone, welcome back. This episode is sponsored by my amazing patrons on patreon.com slash redhillsrancher. I have a don't miss episode for you this week. As with most of these, I saw something that caught my eye on social media. Messages were exchanged and a date was arranged. This time though, doing something I haven't done in a long time. My new friends, Hunter and River from Smooth Ag, wanted to come up and see the ranch, check out my cows, and then hit the studio for a little podcast. So you know the deal. We got to take care of a little business first and then on to the episode. This episode is brought to you by C90 Ocean Minerals, the first step in regenerative agriculture. C90 offers a complete spectrum of natural minerals and trace elements that feed soil biology, enzymes, and fungi to regenerate your soil matrix and improve soil fertility. Soil with improved microbiology and mineral nutrition will grow protein-packed and nutrient-rich pastures that your animals will thrive on. Plus, our premium mineral salt offers five times the valuable minerals and trace elements versus leading competitors. Give us a call at 717-580-1458 and our experts will develop a custom program that fits your operation. Or visit our website to order smaller quantities, including for your garden. Visit c-90.com and use the promo code REBOOT to save $5 today. That's 717-580-1458 or c90.com with the promo code REBOOT. Once again, that's sea 90com promo code REBOOT. Hey there, Ranching Reboot listeners. Do you want to support our mission of promoting regenerative agriculture and telling the stories of those who are changing the food system for the better? Then consider joining our Patreon community and becoming a patron today. By becoming a patron, you'll get access to exclusive bonus content, merch rewards, and more. Your support will help us continue to bring you fresh stories from some of today's most innovative and progressive farmers, ranchers, and other producers of food. And don't forget to join our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans, discuss current events and past podcast episodes, and get exclusive updates on what we're working on behind the scenes. Our Discord community is the perfect place to share your thoughts and ideas, get feedback on your ranching projects, and learn from other experts in the field. Whether you're a rancher, farmer, or just someone who cares about where your food comes from – You'll find a welcoming community of like-minded individuals on our Discord server. So join our Patreon community and our Discord server today, and let's keep rebooting your thinking about farming ranching food systems and the people that operate them. Ranching Reboot is your favorite Regenerative Ag podcast, and we can't wait to continue bringing you valuable content with your support. Yo, what's good, my homies? It's your boy, Red Hills, and I'm here to tell you about these Bubble Link Beef Snacks. Let me tell you, they straight fire, you dig? I'm talking about real high-quality beef, seasoned to perfection, and slow-cooked to give you that melt-in-your-mouth taste. And let's not forget about the packaging. It's tight, it's fresh, and it's perfect for on-the-go snacking. Now, I know what y'all might be thinking. Red, ain't no beef snack going to be good enough for me. But trust me, these Bobo Link beef snacks are straight-up game-changers. I'm talking about that real beef flavor packed with protein and made with all-natural ingredients. So if you want to elevate your snack game, snack like a boss then you got to try these bobolink beef snacks. I'm telling you, they're the real deal. And don't take my word for it. Try them out yourself, and you'll see why I'm hooked. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. Peace out and stay snacking, my homies. My name is Red Hills Rancher, and I'm the steward of the Red Hills. And if you didn't know, you do now. Bow wow.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
0: Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back. We are here today in the Eastus Media Studio, sponsored by Legends Pub & Grill. If you're ever in Pratt, Kansas looking for a great meal, stop by Legends Pub & Grill. Owned and operated by my good friend Cody Eastus, who also is letting me use this great studio today. So we're back in the studio in Pratt today, Um, joined by my good friend Brennan Wheelock again, and joined by River and Hunter from an outfit called Smooth Ag. So just so I don't mess this up, gentlemen... Uh why don't you tell us a little bit about what smooth Ag is and uh, and what it does and we can kind of kick off from there yeah you bet
1: uh so smooth egg is um primarily uh a technology company but uh rooted in uh the ranching industry um we build and 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 deliver a robotic device uh of larger scale a vehicle that uh is aimed specifically at feeding feeding cows um mainly pasture land at the moment and uh we're working on future developments to get into more uh feedlot top settings as well uh so yeah that's what we do and i'll let uh hunter extrapolate on that a little bit
2: yeah i think that's an absolutely great you know place to start with who we are fundamentally we just saw there's a there's an issue in terms of innovation in the agricultural landscape and you know whether we like it or not there is a dichotomy between you know row crop farmers and cattle ranchers and it seemed that most of the innovations and investments have been you know were predominantly focused at crop production so you know we're kind of doing the things the same way that we've been doing since the 60s and 70s you know fundamentally speaking you know feeding out of something like a trip hopper or, you know on a pickup feeder for your supplement feeding and that hasn't really changed I think River was just driving and this is how it really played out Is he saw that that's the same thing. We have this technology that's available and readily usable to make it fully autonomous is just orchestrating all those pieces. And when I met River, you know, he had put the pieces together and then we started deciding to like go down the route of building, you know, an enterprise out of this and started to really visualize what the Ranch Rover could actually be. And we kind of call it the Rover centric model where this really can be a platform for managing your ranch in totality, you know, with autonomy and also augment your capabilities. So I think to kind of segue into that, right, it, it's really important to to understand what River I's goal was, you know, when it came to putting this together. River, I, I think, you know, you put this together. I mean, really talk about, you know, how you felt about it.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the original story is that, you know, I graduated college and then I came home. I worked for about a year after college in uh, the, the industry that, uh, you know, graduate the degree related to the degree that I got, which was construction. Uh, I worked in the HVAC industry and I did that for about a year and decided that I, I didn't really like living in the city anymore. So I originally went back to the ranch to uh, just to kind of reset and realign myself and uh, I was really just planning on staying for two or three months till the money ran out, basically. And in the mean, and in that time, find a new job, probably in construction uh, somewhere else. Uh, in that time, though, I was feeding, and it was like, man, I, I, just, I'm really big on efficiency, right? I'm a very logical person. I'm a problem, like I'm a problem solver. Uh, I. So efficiency is huge to me and so it just grinds my gears whenever I do something mundane. Like if something that's just being done that really doesn't take a whole lot of thinking, it I I can't handle it, right? So I was just feeding one day and literally was just like you got it there's got to be a better way to do this. Like there had well one there has to be a t- somebody's already got it like an autonomy like there's already got to be a robot for this. Like somebody's already doing it. I need to go find it for myself, right? We just need to go buy this thing because this is ridiculous. Okay, I don't need to be here every time. That's the cold hard facts, at least for our operation, I would argue for most is I do not need to be here every time that I feed, right? And so I went to looking, and there was nothing. We got nothing. We don't have any systems for it in the pasture land. We don't have, we don't even have anything built up, right? We don't even have anything on a rail, okay? And it got me thinking. I was like, this is, to me, it's absurd, right? Because I know enough about technology to know that there is, all these technologies are here. Just nobody's packaged them together, and like, are you serious? And I did. I did a thorough search, and still today, I do. I do searches, and nobody's doing this, right? And uh, so I just—it's like that weird that like once you figure out what your purpose is, it's like you just you just kind of get latched onto this idea, and you're just absorbed by it. And you know, needless to say, I have not found another job uh, since that idea entered my mind. I went ahead and stayed on the ranch where expenses are low and I was allowed the time to learn and start to put these pieces together in a preliminary fashion until I could learn enough and you know and I saved my money until I learned enough and we started putting this conceptual the the first conceptual model together at that time first conceptual model is really what kind of sparked you know people's involvement like that's when Hunter came on he saw that just building that first thing you had to you had to build it to, like, prove to people, hey, this is possible, right? And from then on, it's just been, you know, it's like the snowball. It took a little while to build the snowball on top of the hill and then get it rolling and get it rolling and get it rolling. Now I think we're coming over the edge of that hill, and that snowball is starting to pick up mo- momentum on its own, right? And it took a lot of work to get here, right? But um, so, yeah, that's, that's how this all built up to this, where we are right now. And then – from there, right, just on top of this feeding thing, we've built out all these methodologies and these ideas around it, but we've learned that there's so much more to it than just feeding, right? Like we're doing like uh That guy's a little loud. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. It just adds to the authenticity of, you know, where we are. I'm pretty sure that was a grain truck, and I also think that's a cattle truck
0: driving, driving by as well by, right yeah. now. So, yeah, it's maybe good. Maybe I should have had you sit with your back to the window. <laughs>
1: But, you know, it's like to get to get back on track there, there's feeding, and that's what rover-centric even comes from, right? It's like we need to solve a real problem, and that's a real problem. Like labor and feeding and solving a mundane task, that's a real problem that could really help ranchers, right? And then we have this, but then we've learned, and Hunter can extrapolate, he's really good at extrapolating a lot more on this front, is the all, all the value that we can piggyback now that this plat, off of this platform now that it's in the pasture. Now mm-hmm. that we're there, we just opened up this realm of possibility that wasn't there before, right? Like as far as auto, auto, automated data collection, you know, there's been a lot of.
0: Go ahead. Okay, I just wanted like let's put a picture in our listeners' minds of what we're talking about here. Like,
1: gotcha. Yeah,
0: it, it's basically a flatbed with two axles under it and a cake box on its back. That's right? right. Yeah. And yeah. That's it. No cab. Nothing. It just looks looks like a flatbed with a cake box out there cruising around a pasture.
2: Right. Video cameras, sensors, but yeah, for the most part, it's very basic. It's made of steel, right? I mean, we're thinking about our use case, and yeah, it's a pretty robust machine in terms of how capable it is. But at the same time, it is basic, right? It's like you just said. It's really just a flatbed. It's you know,
0: it needs to be something that a farmer can fix with a crescent wrench and a pair of fence pliers. Precisely that. I mean, if you have to plug in a laptop to it, it's it's. You've probably- gone too far. Yeah, yeah. And yeah that's right.
1: You know, um, simplicity is built in complexity, and we keep all that under the hood. Right. But as far as ever having to... Like, let's say a computer box breaks down. Like, you know, you get into that, well, it's just a... Let's just... The, the model is, send you another box and plug it in. Okay, right. Mm-hmm. That's the... know we're not trying to we're we're not trying to build rockets over here Uh, we're just trying to build something that this technology has been around for a long time and now we're just packaging it packaging it together and building it for this particular solution and building the user interfaces for it as well right and uh but yeah I, i didn't even think about the fact that we need to explain like what this is and like draw the picture for people because this is a podcast. I mean, so, it's it's an
0: audio format. Yeah, it's an audio <laughs> format, right?
1: <clears throat> and how, Maybe we could throw up a video or something with it, you know, a link or something in some way, form, or fashion. We can, you know, direct people towards that so they can get a better idea. But, you know, you know vehicle that feeds cows, right? Flatbed feeds cows, just like you said, platform, four wheels, four-wheel drive. If, if your pickup can go through it or drive it, the Rover can drive it, right? Yeah. Um, but to get back on to like it's, you know, the value side that piggybacking of all these other things. I think that's where I think we're going to cover this feeding thing. Like the three aspects of the automated feeding is going to take just a short amount of time, and I think that there you're going to want you're going to start asking a lot more questions about everything that can revolve around this now that it's out there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that. You start to dissect this and you see that feeding, yes, very important. You know, one, you're subconsciously training the cattle by providing consistency that no human can provide just through that regimented time clock. You know, sometimes you wake up a little late. Sometimes the truck doesn't crank over the first time, right? That all affects your schedule. And, you sometimes know, sometimes
0: the wife wants to snuggle a little bit extra in bed that morning.
2: Absolutely. Right. So I think you you think about those things. Well, sorry, you're not going to train your cattle to the consistency that a machine that, you know, gets up. It doesn't even get up. Let's just be frank about that. It starts up and does its job. And that allows us to be consistent with the cattle. They know what the machines there for. They respect it. They're excited to see it. Right. It's the grain buggy. And it knows exact, those cows, when they hear that sound at the machine startup, they're excited. It's it's a candy wagon.
0: Yes, yeah, sir. And, you know, I noticed you guys like trip hoppers on your on your rover. And, and that's fine. I don't have anything, like, specifically against trip hoppers. Yeah. I will say, you know, we're, we're talking about consistency in training cows. Uh, just the noise that a trip hopper makes. To me, you know, that loud bang and clang. Yeah, the click. I, and I and I get why. Um, the last feeders that I've used and, and the feeders that I would use if I was going back to feeding like a cube or, or a pellet-type product, um, an old Bar 6, and that's a it's got an auger screw, yeah. but it's geared down. So it's a double reduction so that it actually runs pretty slow. And they're fairly quiet, and the only noise was really the cake falling off the chute. It didn't have that loud, you know, the loud banging of the door. That's just something... And, and maybe it's a personal preference. Is that an
2: ecological concern for you? Like <laughs> no,
0: but it's it's Is a behavior. It's a behavioral issue. Let, let's be honest; it's a behavioral issue because whether you're bringing right. out whether you're bringing out your cubes with a Range Rover or a pickup, whether it's a geared feeder that's quiet or a trip hopper, you're the crack dealer, correct? Right? I mean, you are the drug dealer, and no matter what you're in, they're eventually going to get used to you and come to you. They're and that that there is a huge value in consistency. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I can I can speak to that from when we strip grazed a few years ago and I was running the bat latches and all the polywire. We'd go out twice a week and mm-hmm. build all the fences for the week. And every day at 2 o'clock, that's when my bat latches were set to open. And it, it kind of got to be a game. Like if I was close and it was 155, I would run over there and get and, and set like a half a mile away. And just watch and listen. And when that gate opened, I promise you, by the end of the season, after after doing it a hundred times, when that gate opened in less than two minutes, a hundred cows would be on the other side of it. They get used to it, absolutely.
2: Yeah. So
0: what's your? So
1: what do you? So what's your? So what are you, so your, uh, so what are you trying to uh, explain about behavior in the loud flapping? What is your like? What's what's the behavior that you're expecting, or what's the behavior you're trying to avoid with that? Like, what are you trying to? Uh, I don't
0: want them running to the cake truck. Okay. I don't want them running from a half a mile away on the right. other side of the pasture and leaving their calf by mm. that sagebrush and running across the pasture.
3: It will act like a call.
0: Yeah. But mm. you
3: want them all there. Yeah. When you start feeding, I, I
2: think you're going to do that. I think you're doing that no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that you do consistently, right? And like, okay, what is the exchange, right? I. But I, I it, think. Just give me one sec, because I think I, I'm trying to understand where you're at. And for me, yeah, you don't want them running across the pasture, but is that trade-off with them running across when you're using the machine to go out there, that one time, what is the effect aside from having them be excited for that? So when it's time to move 100 cows, you have a pretty pretty simple solution to move 100 cows very simply on your own. Oh, I, I'm
0: I'm with you. And I get where you're at. It's just, I think we have to be careful with using some of these systems that put negative behavior traits in our cows that we're not actively trying to suppress. Does that make sense? Like, like yeah, there's nothing wrong with them getting excited and running across the pasture to you. You can use that energy in a different context to do something, to do something good, to do a management objective that you want to get them to move to a different pasture. Mm-hmm. But then on the other You know, the flip side of that coin is you're going to get them wired to that certain sound. And maybe you're not the only person in the environment that brings that sound near your cows. Yeah, that's fair. You know, like a a, lot of guys like to, like when they feed, they like to call with a siren. Yeah. Which is great. I have a siren on my gator and I use it as a call. But you know how many times I've seen a fire truck go down the highway? Blowing a siren and all the cows for twenty miles along the highway go run to the fence because they think that somebody's showing up there in a feed truck. Okay. There's trade-offs to everything we do with livestock. You know, like yeah, yeah. you know, everything's a give and take. I, 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 think, I guess that's all. I'm I think like to wrap this
1: up and uh, to 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 kind of put a nix in that worry is like if that is something you're worried about, we uh we have designed the computers and the inputs and outputs to accommodate for. Most feeders, even scales. Okay. So, uh, so I, th- I think, uh, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be that's going to be customer preference because we have to do that, right? Because not everybody's going to want to buy a unit and and pay for the uh, feeder that comes on it. Others? You know, the feeder comes on; it's four thousand pounds in the production model. They may just want to go ahead and just put their two thousand pounds
2: or fifteen hundred pound model on it. We have to; we can't be like, no, we can't do that. And and let's not right. escape the. I think what we really started talking about was, you know, these accessories or, you know, planetary objects in our solar system, right? Rover centric eludes that we're kind of the sun that makes this all possible. When we look at the technology landscape for cattle right now, it's highly fragmented. Um mostly in functionality, right? Because a rancher's job is just so dynamic. I think that's what's really hard for these big tech people to understand, that there are people out here that are the plumber, the electrician, the nutritionist, the carpenter, the welder, and it, the list goes on. I can go forever, right? The, but
0: The bookkeeper, the networking technician. Yeah. And, yeah. The list of jobs is endless.
2: Right. So- how can we take some work off their shoulders? Well, it's definitely not giving you thirty pieces of software to independently use, right? Hey, Hunter, Hunter, maybe, uh,
1: maybe uh, explain like what some of those, like some examples of what those other softwares could be for. Yeah, a lot so, of people may not even know that there's stuff like vents and wireless ear tags, and like we may they may not know what we're talking about. As far as
0: we want to get into vents and wireless ear tags. That's a whole nother Yeah, (laughs) But
1: that's what, but but that's what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. It's like, uh, being like, you know, everything kind of revolves around the thing that, that does the main job, which is right now it's just feeding. I mean, like that's the most valuable thing right now. Simply put right now, as far as labor goes. And, uh, all, and then now, so now we're going to have, and we're going to, enter, we're entering the market and Vince is there and you got wireless ear tags and there's a bunch of those. Water sensors. Water sensors and this, and, and there's a ton of these things and we're all using a different app for each one of them. Cattle right? management software. I it's mean, it's all the list. And so it's, and that's what Hunter, and I just wanted to point that out that that's what Hunter means by fragmented. That's how, that's what he means by that. So go ahead, Hunter. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yes. So I think now you take that understanding of the ecosystem, what's missing there is really someone to take your place for the uptake of that data and in order to like synthesize into something a little bit more simple, right? You can do it right you can have all 30 of those apps but it takes an extreme amount of time to dedicate to the, all these different systems recording the numbers and keeping plots of that so you're just changing the rancher's job to be more in the office when in reality like most of the other jobs that they do are outside so where you know where are we getting this opportunity to spend time doing data entry when you're supposed to be this guy that welds and does all of this, everything, right? You don't have time to be doing data entry as well. It's, it's. They're just kind of adding to the scope of work. Where the rover, let's shift this, right? Feeding, high value, right? I think that we found the most time there. Like When you look at your day-to-day on the ranch, like in consistency, it's like checking cattle, driving out there. It's not even looking at the cattle. It's mostly just driving to the cattle is what takes the time. And then you look at them, and then you go, right? And you drive back through everything you've seen already,
0: right? All, all 53 gates that you had to go through to get where the cows are at. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: So you, you understand, right, that there's All of this time that was spent. And that's why I think River says it's like so high value for the feeder. Because okay, look, that's that drive time that honestly we consider it kind of the low hanging fruit of jobs in terms of like computation skills, right? Driving it on two track road with the current technology that we have. Easy.
0: It's not like you're trying to blast a Tesla down a California freeway with Millions of other lunatics at eighty miles an hour. You're trying to navigate down a two-track road at four.
1: Yeah, (laughs) exactly that. I I
0: imagine that's a technological problem several orders of magnitude easier to solve than than Tesla's Mm -hmm. driving cars.
1: So we can. So so that means we can just we can put a lot more focus into providing this uh, data user this data interface, right? And I think what also Hunter's trying to explain is, you know, all these technologies are built to save ranchers time, and then. At the end of the day, they don't. And what we're trying to do with this, because we're solving a high value problem, which has which is has a direct correlation with opportunity cost. Right. Like if you're not feeding that day, the three or four hours it takes you to do that, that's three or four hours you can spend on a dozer. That's okay, I'll put it this way. Feeding, driving the feed truck is seven dollars and twenty five twenty five cents an hour work. Change my mind. All right, it, it is. That's what it is. Now now that might not what you can afford. That you may not be getting anybody else to take that, but that's what it is. That's what it's, it's even, worth. It's not. Yeah, that's what it's worth. And it's so if you're not having to spend the three or four hours doing that, you can spend that three or four hours in the dozer that you have rented, like you were saying, or the excavator that you had, and that's that's forty to fifty dollar an hour work on your time. What you're accomplishing there, right? And uh, so yeah, we don't. So but if we create another technology, if we're back in the office, we just make it easier. Like we're not here to make your job easier. Or make your make your job, you know, to save enough to to move time around into more valuable places, and that's our big. And I think that's like our main. focus. Yeah, there.
2: we we've seen that right, like where people say, "Oh, you got to be a lazy person to buy one of those." No, I'm extremely busy. I I don't want to drive the feed truck, checking the cattle. Well, I, fortunately for us, we can sync up with the video feed on the machine and do our job if we feel so, you know, inclined to do. But I was just there yesterday working on something in that pasture. I saw those cows. You know, I think I can go another day without, you know, losing sleep. Another thing that we get all the time is well, what about the sick ones? If you have that many sick cattle that every time you go out there you're a doctoring something, we need to maybe look at the animal health side of your ranch. And maybe that like automation technology isn't for you until you've got a better string, And that is something that is really hard for people to understand that when, when it comes down to it, you, this is a business. This is a tool for business people to use to their pleasure and their benefit, right? When I say pleasure because people want to go to their kids' football game or right now it's Texas State track meet for high school. Well, it's cabin season. So – I can afford a day if I'm allowed to watch the video and I see that something's not looking good, I'll make that drive home, you know. Yeah. But that that's kind of the thing, right? You, you got to start looking at it from a, what is my time truly worth and there's somebody that will go check my cows for less than $10,000 a year and I can connect my EID wand and receiver and now I'm starting to do things, you know, autonomously. We're starting to do things without working. I don't know if it's culture or what it is, but it's really cool to be a hard worker, but it's much cooler to be a smart worker. And I think that, that the rover shuns away people that want to be so rugged in their tradition. I
0: yeah. think it's even cooler to have good, to have quality time with your family and not be married to the ranch all the time. Like a lot of us grew up watching, watching our mentors and watching people in our lives. You don't have this mentality that, if you're not working 20 hours a day, you're lazy. I mean, you, you just don't stop. And if you're not making enough money, you just go work harder. Like that's, that's the solution. You just go work harder. Just go put in more hours. And you don't, um, my friend Dallas Mount has a great quote. He says, there's no use hitting bullseyes if you're aiming at the wrong target. And I think a lot of us, whether it was from upbringing environment, uh, our parents or in college, we were told to aim at the wrong bullseyes. Like Mm -hmm. we were just given the wrong target picture from the beginning. We're not even sure what we're supposed to be doing. And you know, that quality time with the family. I mean, yeah, cows are important. Keeping cows fed, keeping your calves alive. Yeah, that's important. You know what? That calf isn't going to remember that you didn't check them twice a day. Your kids damn sure are going to remember all the track meets and, and school dances that you missed.
1: Yeah. Well, even if you, even if you were there physically, maybe you weren't there mentally. They remember that too. You know, and 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 I and I and I'll speak a little bit more on what what Hunter was saying. Even if, even if, so you some people right at this point might get the impression that we just are nobody's ever going to check them. You're always going to look at the video, and I don't think, and that's not true. Look, if you feed four times a week, and it and it takes you three hours a time each time. If you just go feed once or sh- – well, one, I'll, I'll get to that. You still wouldn't actually go be the one driving the feeder. But if you show up to those one time, you know, you're still saving like what? Like nine hours a week, the three days that you're not there, right? Like it, it, that's still a huge savings compared to what you were doing. And trust, cow-calf operation, like Hunter was saying, if you're having that many sick ones, you know, that you need to be there every every time – Like, but without that, like if you don't have that situation, you only need to be there about once a week. From about ninety five percent of the producers that I talk to, that's that's the way they respond. And uh, yeah, so and then I'll put it this way too: there's a lot of save time in you know that consistency and that schedule and getting the cows in that organized um, that herd routine is what I call it. You get them in that herd routine, right? And you don't have to be. You don't have. You can just drive. You know. 20 miles an hour down your ranch road like in or 40 in my case it just depends on how much you uh, care about your equipment. Um <laughs> and you can just drive to your feed location because you know exactly when it's going to be there and you know where it's going to be and what time it's going to be there. You just get there fast at that time. You just meet it there. Check do your checking, do your driving through or bring your horse like we were talking about earlier. We and this one comes up all the time. You want you want to ride your horse through? Them? You, you want to ride through them? That's fine. Drive it out there, unload it, and ride through them as they come as they come up to it. They're going to be in sync with that thing. They're not even going to be paying attention to you as they do right now. They're going to get feed. You're going to have a better chance at some calf or something that you need a doctor. If you need a, if you need a freaking sling, one over his head, you just dry it up on him and get it done.
0: Right. Ride- that's a great point right there. That you know, and that, kind of back to my my commentary earlier when I was talking about consistency or when I was talking about the noise. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the stimulus. Okay. Maybe that. Maybe that's the good side of it. Maybe the Range Rover is making the noise. You know, the little gas motors making its noise. The hydraulics from driving it are whining. The trip hoppers doing its banging, clanging thing. Okay. So that's the noise they're used to every single day or every other day when they're getting fed. And they're going to be paying attention to that. And they're going to have their heads down on that line of cake that thing dropped. And they're not going to pay attention to you sneaking up behind. In your side by side or on your horse to get your count or to rope out that sick calf. And I, I, I can see that.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think it, it takes a little bit of creativity. But once you start to kind of open your mind and relinquish all of the negativity when you're looking at this, right? It's really easy to look at new things and try to find every problem. But if we shift our focus towards something a little bit more positive and start to say, all right, how can I use this? we found it even more beneficial for ourselves, right? In, like developing the product and our vision for the future really came down to us changing like what we thought was wrong with the rover and think about what it could be, right? And that's where we started to develop this, you know, rover-centric model is when we started like being selfless and thinking about how can we help the EID companies, you know, get more cat data readings and how can we get things more automated on the software side? Well, you know, it's, you're going to have to have a receiver that's able to read the EID. You have to get close enough, right? So, well, the rover can do that. When we're going down the feed line, the cows are right there and I can just do a U-turn. And I, if I miss something, the rover's going to go back through until it's complete. Let's say a cow's missing. Now, now you don't have to drive home to go get a horse and and try to go play looking for the cow
0: you're and, at home and with your system you get dual verification. You the the system would come up and say I only found 119 out of 120 cows.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then it would come up with a list of who's missing by EID, yep. the EID roll call.
2: So now you're now you're already at home, so now you're just going out one time to go find the cow and then you can go home. You're not doing this back and forth game. That's Growing up, that was that is where the real-time waste is. When you're working on something, you're building a new set of pens, going home over and over and over again. It's worse than running to town, too. Then that really creates another problem. But if you're watching your assets through video and and you're able to see the ranch just like you can with your eyes, but you're also the, – the river is pretty cool, like, object detection. It can also find, like, kind of trash objects. If something blows up against the fence, you're going to get a notification. You're going to see that, you know. And now you're kind of just starting to do things more automated, but you're in this centralized location where you can manage things that you see come across. Instead of like having to do this back and forth, you're doing one trip now. so
0: I'm, I'm about to throw you under the bus. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. So when are you going to have this thing to where it'll tell me that there's coyotes out amongst my calves? Uh, phone call. Okay.
1: Yeah, we. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. It's all, no. I'm serious. Yeah, that mo- mean, it, that, mo- that 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 machine vision model is that computer vision model is probably
0: already built. There's um, there's somebody else that's been listening to this that's had that thought. Like, if this thing's out there and it's got a camera on it, why can't it tell me when there's a coyote yeah, near I, my calves?
1: Yeah, that'll that'll just be a uh, that'll just be an integration in the software that's currently there. Yeah, and
0: and if you really want to
1: take it, if one you want to, if you want to take it, like, you want to get real technical about it, it's really not that much.
0: Oh, oh, talk nerdy to me, baby. <laughs> yeah, a, no, I just don't, I don't,
1: I don't need to. That's just the thing is like most of these models are already built um, as far for pretty much every animal. There's, there's a model bill. Um, and most of those are very uh, in essence uh, easy to get your hands on. So to say,
2: Yeah, it's just a rich database of pictures. Right. And, and we've just like, you know, in the conjunction with machine learning and humans on, on the other side doing validation, we're we're being able to like master these, you know, multi million picture data sets. Humans give it information, right? And say, these are coyotes, these are coyotes, these are coyotes. Just like those, like, you know, click all the pictures with buses. Mm-hmm. So you're helping validate. And then the machine starts to pick up what's going on. And then it's able to remove the necessity for a hu- human to start validating. And the machine goes on its own.
1: And that's what Hunter's saying whenever, you know, you're, you're, uh you're, your verification thing where you are checking those boxes like like pick the motorcycle. That
0: is that is that data actually goes back to some computer vision database. Yeah they're not actually checking to see if you're a human or not. Well they, they are. are because the computer can't but they're
1: also piggybacking some value off of that process. They're working right? for free. Yeah
0: you're yeah. you're doing their job you're help training their AI by picking by telling it which pictures are what in the little Absolutely, you know, three by yeah. three grid. Oh, yeah. So th- let's not make any mistake about that. That's definitely a two way street. Yeah, right. Yeah. So
2: yeah, now we know. Right for the sanctity of our platforms, we we have to do a little work. Nothing's nothing's free. But the rover centric model really takes all the technology and takes all of these platforms for ranchers, and you know, really gives them an opportunity to connect in a way that probably wasn't going to be possible without like you know, fundamentally rethinking how we get out to the ranch. Right. You know, Ford is not going to be. They serve such a large market. They do not care about rancher pickup truck. Chevrolet. No one's trying to do that. They don't care.
0: It's been obvious since the '80s that they don't build pickups for people that actually work in pickups.
2: Right. Yeah. It's the site foreman for the construction company in the inner city. Right. So. Let's let's kind of dial that back, and let's really focus on this rover centric idea. It's not so much that we are the end all be all, but we can facilitate this, and we're happy to. River and I were told by I was told this by a really smart, you know, big time banker, and we're looking for money, and he's kind of like, "Okay, guys, you want to move fast? Don't walk in the footsteps of giants. If there's technology that's available, and there are people doing things that you want to do." talk to them, figure out, is this really worth spending that 10,000 hours like we talked about, or is it better to join forces so we can actually deliver results? And it's, it's clearer than ever that we don't want to build water sensors. That's not our job. And if you want to make the smart ranch of the future for the people of today, we're going to need to work with those people instead of try to do what they're doing. Why reinvent the wheel?
0: Yeah. I, I agree totally, and you know we're sitting here having this conversation. Hunter, you and I, I spoke at length. I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, and, and I roll things around in my head, and without like getting into other brand names other than ones you mentioned. So we've got like we've got vents, we've got vents, and a couple other kinds of let's just call them collars, movement mm-hmm. control collars. Uh, there's also several outfits out there that have a smart ear tag. Yep. that's kind of like a fitbit for cows, not necessarily you know to control where they're at or give them any kind of signals whether they're excluded from an area or what, but just to give you like health a data. location and health data back. And the issue like okay, so with Vince they have they have a base station tower, right that, that their base station communicates through the cellular network with the rest of the world and the internet, the cloud. And the tower communicates on a different kind of network mm-hmm. with all the callers to, yeah, right. to get the information, to the callers, just because, you know, frequencies and train whatnot. Um, you know, we, we talked about putting EID tags in cows. And I'm a believer in EID tags just for my record keeping. And those that listen to the podcast know that I am not for, I, I do not want mandatory traceability. I do not want mandatory EID. When they make it mandatory, I'll cut I'll cut them all out. I'm that guy. Like I like the EIDs because that simplifies my record keeping that makes like keeping a weight record, keeping birth records, keeping a lot of those records is so much easier and they're accurate with the EID and and a digital system, right? The problem with EIDs is you got to get pretty close to read them. And there's a very limited amount of information, but they're also kind of cheap. So what I'm getting at is, um, what other, what, let me finish. I'm going somewhere with this. So instead of having all of these different pieces of technology, whether we're talking about like a water sensor in a tank, I think you and I talked about one that was like on a short range RF signal or Mm. like maybe even a long range Bluetooth, just a sensor that was cheap, that stayed in proximity to the rover. Mm -hmm. And you just threw that in a tank and it gave you a level. Well, that doesn't have to have its own app to report back Cause right. that's going to report back through, you know, your ranger centric model. You could have uh, like a module on a fence to tell you the voltage of your fence. If you know how much water water's in your tank, know how much voltage is in your fence and you know how many cows are in the pasture, like that saves me a trip. Like I did cause there's, I imagine there's a lot of guys, okay. For six months out of the year, I don't need a cake box. We don't feed like, so, so, so then what do I do with this piece of technology over the six months when the cattle are primarily on grass yeah. and are not supplementing, you know, what's the use case then? Well, you have it. You still
3: use it because you still want to go one day a week, year round.
0: Pull that sucker right up to your face, man. Speak up, get in here, join the conversation
3: well, we'll that I'm just watching and learning <laughs> the summertime, six months you're talking about when you're on range, that's your one day a week trips, wintertime, would be your supplement trips, which would be every other day, every day, every third day. Mm-hmm. So you're never not going to use it once you got it.
2: Now, as sensory progresses and we get our machine vision down tight and we're able to start measuring grass growth, then we're, then we're talking like, why not just have it drive all the time? Just collect data. I want you to go out here. And so that way, when your kid inherits the ranch, right, you, you're able to not only give them this epic story, from your own word of mouth, but a treasure trove of data that helps them understand how long these periods of drought can last, like, you know, five years, 10 years in some cases, you know, before we have what is considered normal for our area. And you're able to, you know, show that data quantifiably. What's the temperature in a bad winter? You know, what's the propensity for precipitation in September? You cannot accurately do that on your own you need some help and being able to ha- have that data readily available for the next generation all of a sudden you know what you're getting yourself into and i think it's let's kind of on that same function i really like to look at small family ranches where somebody's working too outside of the ranch bringing home an income that that's dying right because this is a hard business and you wear all those hats so your bandwidth is limited but if you don't come up with some sort of salary your kids don't have health insurance you're in a you're in a tough spot right so you're kind of in this crazy place where you're forced to get a job outside of the ranch to make ends meet but then you don't have that time so what do you think goes first the infrastructure and then everything starts to fall apart really quickly if we would focus on infrastructure when you're kind of doing this you know two hat kind of dance and you can spend more time working on projects instead of keeping your cattle in great shape and keeping them in line. Now you're, you have a kind of a fighting chance. What happens, I think is the pins fall apart. Everything starts falling apart on you and then it's unaffordable. You can't even work your cattle without having a horrible time. Yeah.
1: And, and I'm going to, and, and everything Hunter's correct is Hunter said is correct. And I'm going to push back. I'm going to go back to, uh, your, your, your argument against RFID's becoming mandatory. Um, whether they become legally mandatory or not, I think you're always going to be. They, it will become mandatory for you to do it because the market says so. Mm-hmm. And the reason I and the reason I say that, you're eventually going to get to the point where there's so much data is available or can be available on your place on multiple places that performance performance like scores can be assigned to your operation and buyers can use that. And once we get to that point.
3: And they'll, you, and they'll use it against
1: you. And they'll use it against you, and you'll use it for you. And and capitalism is gonna, and and show me the money, right? Yeah, yeah. Show show me the money, right? Yeah. It, it's not gonna take a it's not gonna take a government to do that. It's just now that it's here, and now that that is being collected. I don't know if it's gonna be five years, ten years, twenty years, or thirty years. We're eventually gonna end up in that spot where it's like now you kind of gotta have a ranch over because you gotta be able to not necessarily a ranch over, but you gotta have these technologies in place now to collect this data to
2: showcase. Okay, well, You're, I, I always like to use this uh, dichotomy, River, about the about the evil corporate ag, because if, if it wasn't me and River, uh, eventually this technology is going to be a necessity for major corporations to operate at a high level, right? They're gonna, they're not gonna want to pay people. They're gonna want this as automated and as high profit as possible.
0: Oh, I, I can see these things in feed yards in five years. Yeah,
2: it's not like that. It's it's an easy leap for us to, to go there, right? So once this starts happening, right, who's your master? And I think River and I, we don't want to be like Johnny Appleseed folk heroes, but honestly, there's an, there's a need for that in the space, right? We need to look at our tool as a tool to help the smaller rancher, not for the sake of getting profit from our for our shareholders, because we're not even there. We're new, we're fresh, we're young, and we have a, a passion for, you know, operating properly. And yeah, we're we're not here to pay out dividends to anyone else. So I think our motives are way different and who we align ourselves with, right? It, it's a way different landscape, right? We're we're able to make decisions where farmer and ranchers' data is safe, right? You don't have to worry about the, you know, the scores being used against you politically, right? Because what happens when you let these big corporations come in, now they have a political need. They have to gain stuff at a high level, right? Like you said, the the, the eco, ecological impact that these large companies have is so vast and so much more detrimental than what we could ever do on our own, right? So. You want to. We want to partner with producers and be as close to them as possible, and with traceability, that it's going to happen, right? That it's just it's inevitable to for quality control, right? If you produce prime beef, we want to keep you on our roster, and we want to know how. We
1: want to know how you're doing it, and we want a reputation to go off of to continue that cycle, right? We want to keep keep everybody accountable there, and I think that wasn't my point to say that you're going to be forced into this because of us i think to go on what hunter's saying like being on the rancher side being young like the way we are is you know we're you know it's either going to be us or them that's a simple way to put it it's either be us or somebody in that corporate vicinity that that hunter's talking about that it that does want to get there and, and eventually use it for for major leverage in ways that probably aren't um aren't you know, with the rancher's mind and with the ranchers. Interest. Interest, as long as I don't, I don't have to mind. eat bugs. Right. Right. <laughs> you don't well, I think what is it like 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 a one percent of like peanut butter has a bug in it or something? You just <laughs> I I think there's even
0: I think there's like allowable percentage of rat in pork sausage too. Mm. Anyway. Um so, sensors. I wrote down like sensors, because you guys are talking about Okay, we've got we've got machine vision on this thing. You kind of brought up, uh, you know, photo points doing a forage inventory. I think is that possible? Yes. Does that still have some technical challenges to accurately estimate forage? Oh yeah, but the value would be a photo point, like right. Okay, give me a picture every Monday morning at noon. On this spot, give me a three sixty panorama. Yep, like okay, that could be pretty. That could be pretty useful. Well, you're going to get that. You're actually going to get that data point every time, at whatever time it goes by.
1: That you're going to get that. Uh, yeah, I get that. At, but I'm saying like at okay, every place, all we can, the time.
0: We can get that to displace off the feed ground to go take a go yeah, be somewhere yeah. and take a picture oh, yeah. at a like specific a, photo point at a time uh, all the the day, t-
1: all the time. Yeah, so, like so, that's what you just like link it up. But yeah.
3: So speaking of feed grounds, you program this thing to feed wherever you want it to. right? Can you change that to where it feeds in a different spot every day and move your nutrients around and your impact around where you're improving the soil by where you're feeding it? So I'll I'll
1: put it this way. You have missions, which are routes and times assigned to those routes. And so you can have as many missions with as many different routes with as many different times as you want.
3: I think that's huge, being able to spread that daily. You can, down. you can. Yeah, it's you can. a net gain instead of a net loss, where you have your one area in the pasture that's just junk because it's so rich it won't grow anything or mud it up or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Impact.
1: Yeah. So as far as scheduling and route and routing goes, just uh, whatever your mind can handle on that, which is really that as many as many routes as many schedules as you like, and to and you put those into missions and uh, as many different. um feed locations and the amount per feed location uh, that you want within each mission. Yeah. You can have a hunt. You can have a thousand feed missions if your little heart desires it.
0: Have you put a, have you put a weather station on your range rover yet?
1: Not yet, but it's, that's a matter of a few sensors in retrospect.
0: It, it is just like having a rain gauge out in the pasture.
2: Yeah, we've thought about like a a full like NOAA style weather vane, you know, that takes, you know, measurable rainfall, humidity as a barometer, wind uh vane. It's just putting it on like River Nice. Like we're just we were we're coming out of a stage where one, we didn't want to take any outside investment capital at this point in the game. And we wanted to continue to focus on what mattered to us, which is building a vision. We're there now, right? We know exactly where we want to go with this thing. We have a pretty clear idea of how we do that. And and now we're ready to kind of shift focus. So what, my point being that being bootstrapped, we may have conquered a lot of things that we don't necessarily have on the machine to date. But why why would we spend, you know, $2000 or 1500 bucks on a sensor that is just plug and play and gives you those data points? So, you know, I think another thing that's so exciting about getting in the in the mode of selling these things and actually like having sales now we're starting to have real conversations with paying customers about what's really important right and like you're saying like yeah we've identified that weather's super important right i think we all want to see that information over time getting those pictures that 360 panorama picture of your place I, i like to call it kind of asset protection right you're just monitoring your asset over time and kind of having these you know historical pictures to rely on and you're painting this cool picture with data right so functionally, River and I have really just been focused on making sure this thing runs well in the pasture, and that's the most critical, right? Because we're delivering feed. Adding capabilities beyond that has really been kind of a later stage thing for us. I think important thing was functionality in terms of doing the job of feeding cattle, counting cattle, and add it as we go into yeah. the future.
1: And and to go off something we were talking about at launch is, you know, who else is... So for like rain collection, like rain gauges, uh, the wa- most of the uh, water sensor guys, they have a rain gauge on their on their system. Mm-hmm. And so if they're already doing that, let's just pull from that, right? So like we, you know, we're entering with this and everything that we have so far with it. Let's see what else kind of, let's see what else comes up in this situation. And see if, you know, there's some other people that... Are better at doing this one thing. Maybe we just need to partner with them, like Hunter was talking about earlier. Let's let the professionals handle their profession, right? And if it's something that makes more sense that we build it ourselves, more financial sense to our customers, right? If it's better for our customer that we do it, then we'll do it, right? But let's first look, at, like let's see, let's let's give it a, a fair amount of time to understand what else is going on in our ecosystem, and then we'll we'll reevaluate from there.
2: That's the beauty of the rover centric thought process, right, is that we kind of get to pick our winners and losers based on our values, right? And that that's the beautiful thing about capitalism, right, is that we can actually do what we want to do. And I think that, go ahead. Uh, that's not an
3: interruption, that's <laughs> just whenever, um, so to your point about it being a big flatbed with one cake on it at the time, there's room there, you could put multiple mm-hmm. cake boxes on it, so you're giving different groups in the same Branch different feeds for different reasons. You could even do cake box with mineral on it. Like mm-hmm. how targeted can you get it to where you, it can pull up to your mineral feeder, shoot a little yeah. bit of mineral so, in it. Yeah. So with the mixture, of,
1: yeah. So that's a good. That's a good technical thing. So it's it is GPS RTK. So I mean, just um, same GPS technology. It's on your tractor within inches of accuracy. Let's and we can hone in that accuracy even more with machine vision. So the machine vision that's on. That is on the rover for with the purpose for the purpose of object detection is not only object detection for obstacle avoidance, but object detection as far as feed bunk lining up with feed bunks and staying in line with those feed bunks. So let's say the GPS gets us to the feed bunk and then the machine vision takes over from there and it stays even more precise than the GPS could. So on that, on that front, yes, there's also some other sensors that you can do in line of that, but machine vision is actually really good.
2: Yeah, the concept is uh, is known as SLAM. It's simultaneous location and mapping, right? So the, the sensor is learning by taking those measurements and then recording those measurements and then running essentially a regression to find like that average, right? So then it figures out this is what happens if I overcorrect, undercorrect, perfect, and it, it all happens simultaneously. So it's beautiful, right? What, what takes us, you know, two weeks, three weeks of human resources training, the machine's like, okay, that's where you want it to go.
0: All right. How, how durable are these things? Like how resistant to cow damage to, you know, cause I, I and I don't know what it is, like I can run a feed truck for years and not get a dent in it and some of my neighbors can destroy one in in a half a season. How how
2: we don't have fenders. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I mean um there's oh. nothing there's nothing less there's nothing
1: less than 11 gauge steel in the platform and the frame. Frame's actually 3/8. What about uh
2: You got flying cows? Yeah. How big are your cows? Those must be yeah. No. someone asked we, us we've if they had would flip this. over and we were just kind of like man if that's what if that is like an kind of an occupational hazard on your place i don't know if we're the right people you know <laughs> if it's flipping over your feed truck on the daily and that's so we'll, weighs
1: eight thousand. it weighs eight to ten thousand pounds loaded so thinking
3: following the positivity thinking further out in the future
0: get that the, mic in front of you man
3: the impact that you have on tires versus tracks have you looked at less power to carry more weight if you Track it sometime, and then it can take different routes. So you're not having all these two tracks all over. Do you, do
2: you want to pay for yes. it? That's the question, right? Yeah. Like we can do it mechanically, like putting tracks on the machine. Does that impede our goal of providing a machine to a rancher affordably, and you know, sustainably enough where River and I can foresee our the rest of our lives building machines? No. You know, but if you have the money and you have some of those pump jack Angus crosses and you want a track machine that doesn't affect your place, we're happy to build it, right? I think the key is let's try to like reel it in and I think always find the weakest link. And for us, we it's money. We always run into that with our machine. It's like this is pretty expensive. The starting price is fifty-five thousand dollars. We can we can finance that in different ways. We can lease a machine. You know, we can, we can work our magic the best we can, but delivering something that's reliable, that far surpasses the quality of your pickup truck in terms of robustness and durability, it's going to cost a little bit of money, right? And, you know, adding bells and whistles, we're happy to talk about customizations, but you have to think we're trying to help family ranchers, and this is expensive technology, and it's expensive to build a truck-sized thing in the United States right? This isn't made in China. And I think once people kind of see that and then they can start to understand that like, yeah, it has all these basic features. I want more out of it. Well, you can get more, but we're just trying to low hanging fruit guys. Let's, let's make it the lowest hurdle possible. So that way the, you know, the, the lower end of the spectrum can see, Hey, it's not that hard to imagine spending $10,000 a year on a machine like this.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I didn't grow up having cows. I didn't go through FFA. I've never heard of a pumpjack Angus cross. What, what kind of a breed is a pump jack?
2: So, you know, about let's say 35 million years ago during the Permian era. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you know, fortunately the pump jack Angus cross for some ranchers, that's just having their mineral rights, their oil and gas production, paid royalties. It can come in the form of quarries, timber, All over America, ranchers are extracting value from their property through the natural resources. And I just like to call them Pump Jack Angus Crosses because where I'm from, the natural resource is oil. Yeah.
1: They they, they might. And some of those guys probably pay for a track machine. Yeah,
2: maybe with some (laughs) (laughs) subwoofers. Yeah,
1: I will will happily build whatever uh, whatever that is, Um, you know, I'm in, and in money the works context out. to where they're,
3: everybody's so high on it on tractors because your compaction, but they also wondered it being a slow-moving vehicle If how much trouble you're going to get into with mud and go into bogs mm. trying to feed different spots where you could maintain that slow movement. With yeah, we spoke steam. to an
2: Argentinian that brought this up in a real interesting way. So in the Pampas region of Argentina, I guess the rainy season can sometimes cause pastures to have, you know, up to 12 inches of standing water. And that that's pretty impressive, but as River and I said, you know, at this point, we're gonna have to build something amphibious. If,
0: if we're going, <laughs> yeah. if, if we're like- Well, if there's 12 <laughs> inches of standing water in there, are they even grazing cows? <laughs> So apparently, they there's like the... to get to places. I
1: didn't. It was something like that. They still got to drive through it. Apparently, but yeah. It's up
2: in the val- mountains and the valleys, right? So you have these wide, expansive valleys that are essentially catch basin type bowls, and you know to go up to the mesas where the cattle are at in the dry land, they have to go through these bogs, and so with like oversized, huge lifted, tire. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of nuts piece
1: of equipment. So it. But to go back on that, yeah.
0: It's- as dry as it is, I'm just having a hard time thinking about 12 inches of water. <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's that? Yeah,
0: that's hey, that's great. just
2: a two-inch rain here, right? I think the ground's so dry around these parts that, you know, if it did rain, it would probably just stand around.
0: Like two two sagebrush plants fight over coyote pee. It's so dry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, yeah, I think, I think uh, different demographics and different uh, – different situations are going to call for different builds, but let's first get out the one that satisfies most. And then let's, and then let's start building some models directly to that. I'd also say, if you can't get through it with your pickup, what do you, what do you think we're, you know, are we like that we're not the magic, you know, school bus over here that just so happened to build a piece of technology that can also fly. I mean, like if your pickup can't make it through it, then, it's, the rover is probably going to sit that day, but we'll do our damnedest in future models to go ahead and get through some of that other stuff too whenever it comes that time. yeah, right?
2: it, It's just funny, right? Like, I mean, dealing with people and dealing with innovation, it, you you see it, right? It's like they just want to cut it down. And I think that it's, it's not been very helpful. What has been helpful for us is to not expose our weaknesses because we know about them, right? It's very obvious in, in front of us. Like, let's solve those gate problems. Let's solve these problems together. Let's think about the methodology. River and I are, are trying to do this, right? And it's like your coyote thing. If we want to do that, I, I encourage everyone to email us pictures of coyotes, right? Send us scout pictures, and we'll we'll make that happen, right? So, please don't do that. <laughs> when we saw that one this morning,
0: a camera was not the first tool I was going to reach for. I'm sorry. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a different. Um... That's a very different. Now we run. have
2: talked about some opportunities in that in that space with with some we're over with some guns but I, I don't <laughs> think that's ever going to happen.
0: Uh, that's 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 not a road that I think any anybody, anybody even an ag needs to consider going down is putting putting a weapon on an autonomous I platform. I don't think yeah no. Yeah, that's they not, make that's movies not a, about that. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Now, could we put a dart gun on it? That's really that's where my head goes. I'm like, all right. Well, now could we put a dart gun on it? Like,
1: it, yeah. That's that's called a rabbit hole, and maybe we'll go down that rabbit hole another time, a much later time. Um, <laughs> 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 kidding. Yeah. but it would be, but it would be kind, of, it would be kind of cool though. But right. those or just are the t- taser. T-
0: Don't put it just taser. Put a taser on it. Yeah, the, that'd those, be fun. Like tase a coyote and then it's still like they're attached with the wires of the taser. You just said it like <laughs> zap that sucker every 5 minutes and watch him twitch.
2: <laughs> so yeah, predation that like that's that was like the best way to put it like simply how to do this, right? Say make it spot coyotes and we'll say, "Well, that's going to cost you money." Or oh, it's as simple as just doing it, right? and and i think that as as ranchers and as a community are centered around beef production we need to do a better job of working together i think there it's really easy to get in these pissing matches of who's better and whose practice is better but in a lot of times re- regenerative ag is regressive ag in terms of people's attitudes and 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 i see that when I go to conferences and I talk to people about what we're doing at Smooth Ag, it's a, it's a strong dichotomy of black and white in our space. And that, you know, Yellowstone hardcore mentality, that's killing us. That is why our steaks and our beef are coming from other places in the world. Because we want to we take this approach where we can't work together together to solve problems together. And we're, we're competing over a commodity. It's ridiculous.
0: I, I can't say I like I'm exactly following it because I don't watch Yellowstone. I mean, I know what it is, <laughs> obviously. I'm not that far out of touch, but I I don't watch it because because I'm not into that kind of TV and some of the things I've heard other people say, like, you know, yep, you I've watch never it seen and there's an like thirty five guys and there's sixty cows. Like it's it's pretty it's pretty bad if you're watching it well, from that point of view.
3: He's alluding to like the The gatekeeping that comes on with that too, yeah. Attitude. You have
2: Coca-Cola cowboys acting like they're top hands, Cool Hand Luke's, and that's just not the case. I think what what we see is the the hardest of them all. They're the least noticeable. So,
0: uh, Yellowstone, I think, has also done good things for the beef industry, for the cattle industry as a whole. You know, it's a platform. Like I've seen some quotes that they've said. Like there was a there was one raw rant that Kevin Costner did or somebody did about, mm-hmm. you know, this is why we do beef or this is why we do it the way we do it. We have to compete against, you know, all these foreign imports that aren't labeled. I, I believe that, you know, that that platform is doing a good job of helping spread a message of some of the things that we're dealing with out here every day. Mm-hmm. Some of the things we're fighting against, you know, imports, corporate monopolization, consolidation, lack of competition. Like, yeah, it, it's hard, you know, w- w- we can sit around this table and we understand what we're talking about, right? Right? But let's go grab the next person that comes down the sidewalk out there and pull them in and try to him and try to talk to them about the beef system or the chicken or the pork or where it comes from and how it's fed and how it's raised. Like we're going to have to spend so much time just figuring out what that person knows and what biases they already have come with mm-hmm. to find the entry point to where we can start unpacking those biases and, and correcting them. Right. It, it's such an uphill battle and I think you know a good part about a program like Yellowstone, okay, they're not the most accurate representation of ranching lifestyle. They're not the most accurate representation of of Montana. okay? Yeah, what are we looking at? Are we looking at 75, 80 percent? Okay, it's a mass market message. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Taylor Sheridan does not make the program Yellowstone for guys like us. Like, we're not his target demographic for that shit. And I
2: think that that's my thing about that. What I guess he he put it pretty well is like, it's the gatekeeping because of the popularity and because of the newfound attention that the Western lifestyle has received. Some of the more, you know, respected or the more wise in, in terms of experiences and understanding about this industry have kind of shut themselves down because they don't want to bring, let all these new people in. And I think it's more of a gatekeeping issue. Less than Yellowstone has made a negative impact, our response to people becoming interested in the lifestyle and the industry has caused us to get to act like a turtle and put ourselves in a shell.
3: When we should be embracing it. Yes. And using all the new minds and the new
0: y- money. Mon- yep. Yeah. Yeah. In- Instead, though, I think we have a tendency to dwell... Because you can
3: fight anything, but you don't want to fight progression.
0: No. And I think what we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to to push back or fight against, quote, the new people mm-hmm. or the guys that just bought that ranch down the road that paid twice what we think it's worth. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I, I I totally get what you're saying, Brendan, about about gatekeeping. And I, I'll also say this. So, you, you know... You'll know who I'm talking about. The neighbor that bought that the ranch next to me in 2008. You know you know what I'm talking about? I still feel like they're new people in the neighborhood. They've been here since 2008. They've been here now for 15 years. And to me, they're still new people. So it's like... Generational. Like, they're just... like Somewhere in my mind, they've been here for 15 years. They've had kids here. Like, to me, I still have this mental thing that they're temporary because almost everybody else that has been on that ranch. I've seen that. I've watched that ranch turn four times. Like mm-hmm. they're the fourth people to own it since I've, since I've been on the planet and they've had it for 15 years. Okay. Maybe they'll stick around and make a go out of it. I'm, I'm starting to think that they're not so temporary in my world, but you get what I'm saying. Like, um, so down around Decatur, which is, I believe Northwest of Fort Worth. I've got a friend from down there, Richard, if you're still a podcast fan, this is actually you. Um, so we went down uh, to Fort Worth for grass-fed exchange. I met Richard, toured some of the property as leased. And between Decatur and Fort Worth, it's like all solid town. Mm-hmm. It's just housing developments and housing developments and housing developments. And Richard was telling us about you know, how much land cost had gone up and what the competition mm-hmm. was like to try to get land. And some of the stuff that's been in production or been leased for a long time, he couldn't get it but some of the stuff that somebody just moved out mm-hmm. from Dallas yeah. that bought a ranch house with 3 acres out in the country he'd go pick up a lot of those little 3 acre patches maybe some he'd hay mm-hmm. maybe some he put sheep on but you'll find an opportunities like that from people that maybe have you know maybe the Yellowstone type generation that's moved out of the cities because they want a ranch and just don't know how maybe that's creating opportunities for a lot of young people that don't necessarily have financial resources or any equity to draw on or any family in the business, then you go to somebody like that and be like, hey, you want to live your best Yellowstone life, let me be your ranch hand.
2: Yep, and and I, I think that just being open to allowing new people in, it, it's so important. My dad made me work on a dude ranch one summer, which when I was 16 years old was not at all what I wanted to do. That'll I, turn
0: you off a customer service for your whole life. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I was, I thought I was so, so much of a top hand that I could never be spotted on a dude ranch. But honestly, it was the most, it, such a humbling experience. Honestly, people from all over the world were coming to this place because they just wanted a piece of what I thought was this normal day to day life. And they would give up everything they had. To to live like we do, and and I think bringing those people in and the ideas that they have, you know, my I guess three or four greats of a grandpa w- was a banker in Paris in the late 1800s. He wasn't a ranch hand, so who am I to like keep any spots right? Like we didn't start out as DAG people, even though it may feel like it has been. We all started from zero. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: The, uh, I think something else that's, and we might just get off subject, like get off this subject a little bit, but also kind of is in the same realm is, uh, so like with Smooth Ag, we have this opportunity to be a bridge between that kind of urban reality and that rural reality, right? And especially because, like I was talking about with Hunter earlier, and I don't know the exact number, but it's probably, Probably 90 95% of ag tech companies are founded by people who did not grow up in agriculture. Um, so a lot of those tech companies, right off the bat, and just tech in general, you know, your agriculture people don't are kind of uh, weary of right because of that. And what's neat about us is that me and Hunter did grow up in agriculture, it's actually us, it's us kind of venturing into the tech landscape, we're kind of the, we're kind of the uh outsider to the tech to the tech side. And uh beca- but because tech is so binary, I think we have a better chance of success in that space than if the tech the somebody from the tech side was going to try to come to this kind of non-binary uh the more fluid um industry, right? So like Yeah, they'd get gate kept, right? Because
2: yeah. they would pull up in and their I'm not Prius, even uh, yeah, it's thin. not even
1: to me, it's not even about yeah, I get that. But it, to me it's not even about gatekeeping. Cause it's it's you know, that's there, right? And but there's gatekeeping into the tech industry as well. We yeah. know we've talked to VCs. I've been I've been we've been mocked a few times in some interviews. So like I, I get it. It's on both sides, right? And that's why I'm talking about this bridge. But you uh but coming to ag, now that's a whole nother that that's a whole nother thing. All uh, right. Yes, I can learn a lot of tech. I can learn more tech for less cost via YouTube. Okay. I hate to break it to them. That's just true. All right. I can my 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 cost of failure learning tech is nothing compared to the cost of failure learning ag. Yeah. All oh, right. Yeah, and, for sure. and 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 uh, so whenever you kind of are so now we sit in this really. A unique opportunity that we are in ag and we're moving over and we're learning from the tech side. We're going to be able to learn at that level and, and be able to get through that. And, you know, you really do serve as like a societal bridge there. It's like, look guys, we can be, it's like tech's really not all that bad. Right. And like, Hey, look tech rural Isn't really that bad. And also like, this is how they both work because I don't know. I don't know a freaking rancher that doesn't have an iPhone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I doesn't and I don't know one that doesn't use Google, that probably saves them two to three hours a day, on average.
0: Totally, right? totally different. Story and they don't from five un- years ago. Yeah,
1: right. Right. But mm-hmm. still, does it? That's that's my point. It's only going to get better. So you got so you got rural people that cuss these people over here, right? But guess what? Those people are needed. And you got these people over here cussing these people, but they're needed because you can pull over here to In and Out and pick up twelve hundred calories right in a matter of minutes and it's all because some it's all because your rural your rural space is taking care of that and then mm-hmm. you can pick up your phone right and learn something in a matter of minutes and it's all because of these people over here and neither one of those things I don't you know if you think tech is easy I'll be the one the first one to tell you it's not it takes a lot to make what is in your pocket right now and it also takes a lot to get that damn cheeseburger and through the drive-through window, and there's not a bri- there's no bridge there. There's hardly any bridges right now in that aspect. There's nobody like like everybody's just on one side or the other, whether it be through gatekeeping or lack of education of what each education. other education yeah yes. e- education of what each side does. And there's nobody in the middle to kind of facilitate that. There and. You can't
2: force that. That's not something you can force. Well, I think the issue is it comes down to more than what we do for a living. that now we're getting into that. Like the occupations are a good indicator of political leanings, et cetera. And I, I think it's really important to recognize that I think the jump from them to us is so hard because it's so hard to understand who we are culturally. And on the other side of things, it's so easy for us to understand why those people think the way they do coming from where they come from. So that's probably the biggest thing, right? It's not so much about knowing the industry as it is like understanding why people are the way they are. And like when you come out here, it's hard to – I mean like if you're if you're a city person, it is hard to understand – Why in the earth you'd want to live in Sun City, Kansas?
0: Like that is asinine to a city person, right? We have no DoorDash. It takes Amazon Prime at least a week. Mm -hmm. UPS second day is three. (laughs) Right, but then you go to the city and
2: you're like, damn, Amazon's here the same day. I can get anything I want to eat. I can go shop anywhere I want to shop, buy whatever I want to buy. So it's really easy for us to put ourselves in their shoes like, hell yeah, I want to live in the city. Until you hear, hear about the crime and the other statistics, so <laughs> I'll stay in my small town. But uh, you know it, that I think that's really the thing for me, River. Like when I, it's, easy, it's so easy to put myself in their shoes.
0: Mm. You know, we're talking about like you know a rural urban divide, and you know there, there's there's a money aspect, and you know when we have a lot of people coming from the coasts. Mm -hmm. Which you know we've started seeing it the last three years, or not started seeing it. It should be obvious to anybody that's been paying attention for the last three years that there's a lot of people from the East Coast and there's a lot of people from the West Coast that are moving to the middle of the country. Most of them are going to Texas, which that's fine. Y'all can have them. That's great. (laughs) Turn it. They're going to turn the place purple. Okay. (laughs) By by the time Kansas goes purple, I'll just go hop across and we'll meet you guys in Oklahoma. It'll probably be the last red state in the country. But that's going to keep happening, yeah. right? That's inevitable. And I think what what happens more as we see the urbanites move out to the rural areas, and you know, and, and just start take over, infect us with their liberal ideology, or just want to get <laughs> off the coast, whatever their motivation yeah. is. Okay, like you know, we talk about we just mentioned some of the things that we don't have in Sun City or here in Pratt or in Medicine Lodge that they would have in a bigger area or a more populous area or even a similar size community, but further East where the population density is higher. Okay. We don't have those here. So like when I go to, when we go to Wichita or Kansas city or go somewhere on vacation and I can actually use like Uber eats and DoorDash, like that's cool for me. Mm -hmm. Like I appreciate that. But then again, you've also heard me on a podcast say, shake the hand that feeds you. And we need to be more worried about building local food systems. And you know, when I'm home, I try to do that. And even when we're on the road, right? You don't, we try to go find that, you know, the local mom and pop shops and we try to ask them where, you know, where'd you get these tomatoes? Where'd you get this cow? And the thing, the thing is here that I think people don't understand, you know, like we just had a comparison about phones. Okay. Yeah. There's an awful lot that goes into a phone. Is a, is a, is a smartphone more complicated than a cheeseburger? It's a different kind of complexity. Does a cheeseburger still have a lot of parts that goes into the assembly of it? Yes. Is it a lower-skill assembly? Sure. But we're still talking about two things that have to be assembled uh, from components. Let me, bear with me here, mm. okay? Now, we'd like to talk about food. We want our food cheap, mm-hmm. okay? You know, everybody used to love the dollar menu at McDonald's, $5 footlongs. Love them. I mean, got it. Mean, that's a beauty of the industrial ag model and commodity ag, right? We can feed everybody for pennies on the dollar. Well, we also have these cheap phones. And like we've heard about, like, you know, people that have been paying attention to what's going on in the world for the last three years. You know, we know about cobalt and lithium mining in Africa, Yeah, right? We know how bad that is. We know that there are little kids mining cobalt in the Congo for our phones, right? We know yes. that. We know that there are nets around the iPhone factory in China because people will throw themselves off the roof of the building so they don't have to go to work and build iPhones anymore. Let's not kid ourselves, okay? These A lot of these systems that we're relying on are run on externalized costs and exploited labor. Cheap food and cheap phones are just two examples of that. And as as we have more of this urban exodus, okay, I think these people that have had it too good for too long living in the cities on artificially inflated means you know, the just absurd excesses of wealth. They come out to these areas and the services aren't quite what they're used to. And maybe they have to work a little harder for their food. And maybe they actually have to go meet the person that's growing their food. What I'm saying is, is like, we're going to start over the next, I think over the next near future, we're going to start realizing what the value of that exploited labor and those externalized costs are in these long, in these big production systems. Right. And, you know, I know we, we've had some conversation earlier today while we were, we were driving around and at lunch, we talked about, you know, the, the KFO model and, and how much fuel and energy and resources it uses to keep that model up. Like it just in the transportation of feedstuffs and what it takes to grow the corn, the soy, mm-hmm. pump the water. Right. You know, there's a lot of externalized costs there. And it's not just externalized financial cost because, you know, those production systems are pretty much only held up by government subsidy, and, you know, right? Price supports commodity and uh, insurance, whatever. Um. Similar to that, you know, those are externalized costs. And we can't have cheap food just like we can't have cheap phones without exploited labor. Right. And what I'm talking about is like labor in the big packing plants. You know, I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, our, our small local mom and pop slaughter plants or the guys that, you know, run on 20 people. Talking to big plants that are just an hour and a half west of here, out in Dodge City, right? They're all down the plant panhandle. You know, we've got you know Somali immigrants and Southeast Asian immigrants manning these plants, working twelve-hour shifts, and it's it's really disturbing. Like this has been over the news for the last couple of months. JBS, JBS hires a company. Like they have a subcontractor yeah. to come in and clean their plants. Children. Their subcontractor was using 14 year olds. Children. That's in this country, folks. That's in the United States of America. We had 14 year olds cleaning meat plants.
2: Is it really something that you know we can do through regulation? No. Right? Regulation's not the answer they'll export the travesties to another country that's willing to accept it. We have to take a stand, right? Like like you were saying about mandatory EID. If we don't figure out some way to separate ourselves from just another stake,
0: they'll ram we, it down our throats.
2: They're just going to allow JBS, who is also using this like very similar technology in terms of artificial intelligence as us. In fact, the exact same so what do you think they want? They don't want – they want to do it as cheaply. They want to destroy communities. It's very clear what they've done. They've taken out the trade of being a butcher. They used to be a skilled trade. They have now turned that and flipped that into something that can be on a, done on an assembly line and just wait, just wait till a robot cuts meat. Done. See you. No more jobs. And then what happens to 3,000 displaced Somali immigrants? That are now in in Dodge City, Kansas, looking for work.
0: Well, and it's and it's not just going to be the beef plants; it's going to be the pork plants; it's going to be the chicken plants. Like they they've, they've got to be building the technology. So, what's the solution? The solution, a- the the solution to me is the decentralize, which mm-hmm. that doesn't happen, right? Yeah. the The solution is to not play that game. The solution, yeah, okay, but the solution is local food networks and local right, 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 food. But we only get,
1: we can only get, we can only get as local as the uh, outskirts, as the uh, outskirts of the uh, of heavily dens- densified populations. Yeah, I mean it's it's yeah. so we, we will we will be in we will we will continue to have an industri- an industrial process until you break up the heavily populated areas. I agree. and this is a Will Harris thing. Will Harris is like, well, why does nine million people need to live in the same spot? Well, I don't know, Will Harris, but they're not going to stop doing it.
0: That, exactly, like you're not going to get everybody to move out of Southern California. The and so, weather is just too nice.
1: Yeah. So it, and and it, and honestly, those um. As many people are moving to rural areas, it's actually more people are still moving to populated areas. And the population of those areas are continuing to grow. I think it's 15%. Um, there's LA is estimated to grow 15% by uh, like 2035, maybe 2050. But anyways, my point is, is that populated areas aren't going anywhere, um, and they'll continue to only get bigger. And so your demand for an industrial process is going to remain. Now, we can combat we can combat some of these things by improving our systems on the front end or on the back end the at the base the foundation growers and producers if we improve systems we can make an impact on that to a degree right and yeah. you can get more direct to consumer so if you know if those plants have if we process if we have higher gains and higher quality then that means that those plants don't have to produce as much and they don't need as many people in theory right um in theory to now they'll be need more than they do today but per capita right um so i just i like the conversation and i don't like it either like solar like solar panels is something off subject but like solar panels are built by like slave labor okay like i hate that i don't like the fact but i but your shoes are also—I mean, like first-world countries are built off the backs of third-world, I right. Always, and you can even do that internally in the country. I would say that rural America, like your food is so cheap because there's a guy that's willing to work the, to live on thirty thousand dollars a year. Okay, well maybe he gets paid enough to pay his bills, but also also live in the middle of nowhere, also be the most prone to suicide. Also, you know, so all these negatives that you're. St- so externalized costs that you, I like to call them hidden costs instead of externalized costs. Cause people are like, where's this external coming from? Where's it coming from? No, it's a hidden cost. It's just something you don't think about. Right. And, uh, so yeah, there are these addresses that these things that we need to address, but it's like, yeah, we're screaming, we're screaming about it, screaming about it. It's like, all right, well, let's, let's figure out what we can start doing about it. Right. And, uh, because we know that some of these things are just going to happen. They are inevitable yeah. to a certain, to a certain, to a certain area, to a certain point. They're inevitable and they're only going to get more demanded of
0: these processes. Like That's fair. I suppose that's fair.
2: Yeah, I'd love to live in a, you know, little house on the prairie world where the, that we could all homestead and sustainably live. But I also like laser tag. And go to the movies. to yeah, it worked,
3: everybody to still be doing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's remember? how this all started. Was a forty-acre homestead. Yeah, <laughs> right. So
2: if we, if we go back there, what does that look like? It looks completely different. I, I, I think yeah. Like River said, the data is pretty clear that we're going to keep kind of doing things the same way we're doing them. But young people have proven to to care somewhat about quality. And which in turn allows American beef producers to get that opportunity to shine again. We have a genetic pool of cattle in the U.S. We have these conditions environmentally and all over the country where we can produce top-notch cattle. And they're right here at home. Yes, we have demand in the U.K. and in China and Southeast Asia. We're happy to sell them high quality beef. But we can do that here at home where people are now starting to get a true taste. I think inflation has allowed us kind of one luxury as people started to things started equalizing. The McDonald's cheeseburger is just as much as a good quality cheeseburger that you can pick up at the grocery store. So now the I'd rather go with the better taste and meat and you see it on TikTok, Facebook, everywhere. People they want to know where their food comes from and they want to know it's good. Like high quality, very tasty, palatable meat. And we can do that in America really well and cheaper than anyone else in the world because it's high in beef. It doesn't need to travel so far. So I think that that, in terms of like the resistance of like what's going to happen to central US is we're going to do a better job or we're going to get kicked out. Brazilians can make cheap, low quality McDonald's meat or institutional meat, whatever you want to call it and american producers can produce something of quality that globally is demanded and and i think other places around the world there they can get really caught up on the climate and they can out you know cut beef out of their you know gdp that's not going to happen in the us it's state by state we're not going to see this climate 2030 no cows in the us that will not fly in most of our states maybe some states will try Good luck convincing people to not have a pot roast or a ribeye steak. You're not going to do that.
0: It's easy to say. Yeah, but they want us to eat all. They want us if they want us to eat meat. They want it to either be grown from bugs or grown in a lab from plants. I, I, I feel like this whole you know, yes, there there are certain. V- beef diets that aren't that great. There's there's ways that you can raise beef that are less or more environmentally responsible. There are ways you can grow fruit trees and edible plants in more or less environmentally responsible ways. But for the environmentalists to think that we're going to not eat cows anymore or sheep or goats or chickens or fish and that everybody's going to go eat plant-based food and we're all going to survive and be happy – I think they have a very short-sighted understanding of how much land, chemicals, and fuel it would take to grow enough plant-based roots Well, for th-
2: those are the same people that poop on the streets. So just to be very clear <laughs> that here in Pratt, Kansas, there is no poop on the streets, but if we go to san francisco we will in fact find shit on the streets. so i just maybe wanted to point that out to your listeners that the people that are preaching all this eat bugs they shit on the streets. so i don't know if we should really listen to them or not
1: well and also i'm also curious as to really how many of those people there are
0: i, I like, think they're a really very very vocal Right. Extreme minority. Liberty yeah. for
2: me and not for thee, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like really just, easy to get really, on and tell they, you.
3: You know, the sque, squeaky,
1: squeaky wheel. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this squeaky wheel is going to get the grease.
2: No, they've been thanks. around forever.
1: Thank, I mean, and, and honestly, thanks to uh, your uh, beef monopolies. Honestly, your beef monopolies are probably what is going to keep beef around.
3: Mm-hmm. They're the ones paying the politicians. That's right. Make the yeah,
1: I would say that that's <laughs> I would say that's your biggest your biggest push. It's like a necessary evil. I mean, it, that's your biggest pushback is those those guys are not going concentrated not, money. Yeah, they're not going to not get paid. They're not going to let laws. They make it's way too much. It's the third. What is it? What what was beef it's number three? in, on in the all cash, commodity. In all
2: cash receipts. It's number one.
1: Oh, number one. Yeah, the in US. all cash receipts. Really, that's a lot of money on the table to just let. You know, to not like lobby. There's some other things going to go crazy, first.
2: Actually, to think that like because River and I were under the assumption that it was corn or wheat or you it's like know, 140 soy. billion or something like that. Yeah, huh? but in all cash receipts, cattle is the largest business, and and you wonder why though. It's all the byproducts, right? Like, it's it's easy to think about the combo box that comes from IBP, but honestly, there's so much value add in a carcass that corn can't compete. In terms of use case and functionality, there's an old picture, I think maybe from the 40s, like during World War II rationing era, like how many products come from a cow and they have it broken down essentially into like categories of industry, right? Like everything you can do with the hide, the hooves, the horns and the bones and everything you can do with the blood, right? And you start to look at it that's a pretty useful commodity no wonder the plains indians were able to build you know the comanche moon society on the backs of bison right bovine are pretty good at taking care of us right much better than a plant that grows here in kansas only a few months out of the year right and pretty much all over the u.s and the world it's not easy to grow plants like there are very limited places Florida. If we all lived in Florida, we could all live on our 40-acre homestead, right? Like that, yeah. Where it rains consistently, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's not 40 acres left in one. There's not 40 acres left in Florida. but Right. <laughs> no, there is. But uh,
1: it, it's like a, it's something really simple, Jell-O. Yeah. What's Jell-O made out of? Hooves. Hooves. Yep. You know what the gel in your bicycle seat is made out of? Hooves. Hooves. The your gel night...
0: Gel capsules, hooves, hooves.
2: (laughs) We (laughs) talked about the climate earlier, right, like about carbon sequestration. I I love to go the uber hippie liberal route with this because it's so fun to just continuously throw it back at them in terms of let's look at farts and burps. Regardless of how you think about them, the carbon cycle, the water cycle, cows, produce no net carbon. It is cyclically throughout its life. It will take down with it what it's taken up and vice versa. So we look at if we're going to grow soybeans, soybeans to have beyond burgers and that's our future, well, we're going to have to continue to extract oil we're gonna to continue to strip mine. We're gonna con- and, uh, but let's just let's just look at the carbon inputs of the plants themselves. Let's not talk about how they got planted or how they're gonna get harvested or anything that it takes to make it. Let's just talk about the plants in the ground in Kansas. Oh, the irrigation pump. What do you think that runs on? Burned carbon. <laughs> yep, fresh carbon, not living carbon, burned up. So. All I'm saying is if we really cared, we'd really like sit and look. It's just so easy to sit from like these, you know, ivory towers in New York city and San Francisco and say, this is what everyone else should be doing. Getting it done effectively. If it was possible, they would have already done it.
0: Yeah. You know, we were talking about, uh, you know, carbon sequestration and, you know, I made the comment earlier. It's no use hitting a bullseye if you're aiming at the wrong target. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it is important to pull carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and sequester it in the ground, okay? That's that's literally what a cow does. Like a cow eats grass, the grass plant regrows, puts down more root mass, and stores more carbon under the soil. Like That's literally the cycle, okay? And that's how it should work. And how it wor- has worked in North America for thousands of years is ruminant animals eat grass, they poop their waste, the grass grows and sequesters carbon in the soil. The end, right? And we've got these outfits like it's it's madness. Those of you who listened a couple of weeks ago to uh, to Paul Brown, the episode I did with Paul Brown. Okay, so they're gonna they have a pipeline that's going to come across their ranch, mm-hmm. and it's like a twenty four inch diameter pipeline. Okay, and they're gonna pipe. Get this. They're going to collect the CO2 emissions from ethanol plants in Iowa, and then they're going to pipe that CO2 to western North Dakota and inject it 5,000 feet below the ground. Hmm. Okay, couple problems with that. Number one, we're going, to trans- we're going to transport all of that carbon dioxide that far and inject it. That's how many miles of how much steel pipe that takes how much energy to put in the ground. Mm-hmm. And then let's go look at the source of where we're getting that from. Okay. We're going to grow corn and soybeans to take to an ethanol plant to heat up with electricity to make alcohol out of. And then we're going to take some of that byproduct and put it in a pipeline and pipe it a thousand miles away to reinject it in the ground. Like that. No part of that system works. It sounds like a jobs program, right? Well, no part of it works if you take away the government's subsidy. Yeah. If you take away even one of the government subsidies, the whole scheme falls apart. And it's one of those things that this is a government program that's given somebody a bullseye to aim at, Mm -hmm. but it's the wrong target because all they're wanting to do is just take carbon dioxide and stuff it in a rock formation a mile deep. That is not the same thing as my cows eating big blue stem grass and that those six foot deep roots on the big blue stem sequestering two tons of carbon an acre.
2: Well it's Orwellian, it's a logical farce, right? Like at the end of the day, it's do as I say, not as I do. And to understand the angle, what Principally, what is it? It is an opportunity for political parties to divide us, and I think we can't get caught up on these illogical things that happen around us. Because you can look at what the government spends its money on, and you'll have a heart attack. We we <laughs> have it. That is that is another episode, right? How do we solve that problem? I don't think we in this room can do that. I think we just need to build robots and raise cattle and do do what we can. Because if you look around, there are a lot of people. That are going to do illogical things it, it's us it starts at home and when people see you living the way you live and you can have a good example to lead by you can in, impact change right i think that it's so easy to get caught up in looking at those type of scenarios like the ethanol plant and say what in the hell are we doing it's just a distraction right yeah yeah any- it's, someone thought that was a good idea. <laughs> uh, somebody's
0: making a lot of money. Yeah, that is, that's, that, true. that's the thing. Somebody's making a-, a lot of money and they're giving a lot of money to their lobbyists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that aspect, it is a good idea. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hey,
2: building a pipeline, is that's good jobs for, for people in the right-of-way, right? Like, I mean, whatever greases the wheels, right? I think if we can't get too caught up on, on these job programs, I mean, thank God they have people that can put the pipe in the ground. Because if you ask my grandparents, they don't think anybody wants to work at all. So that's at least they can do stuff still.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like Hunter said, you know, come back to like the robot is like improve systems, Right. That's how we can show on the, that's how we can show, you know what, maybe, all right, you know, maybe we don't need to show it. We shouldn't have to show as the rural, as our like our population, right? Like the rural community and agriculturalists, like we, we shouldn't have to show. I understand that, but we can, we can just show some more though, by improving systems, by adapting, by adapting new things, by showing the, outs, you know, the outside world or the urban world or whatever you want to call them, that, Hey no we we're, we are changing. We are smart. And I think that's the biggest thing right there is is that right there because they do I think most people see rural America as dumb. Yeah, and uneducated. We were at South and by I, Southwest.
2: Oh yeah, and we were that there. That was
0: the that was the that's running the theme like we're the the all so stupid. Here. Yeah, we what, what's South by Southwest? A Big tech conference? Yeah, arts yeah, tech and entertainment, mm, yeah. so like TV, music, but and my,
1: business. My point is it's like this is our this we are now in a time where we can affordably do things and take the actions that show that, Hey, we're smart too. Yeah. This is our, you know, this is our time too. Like you're not, you don't have leverage over me because we can do it too.
0: Right. I I don't know. Some of the smartest guys I know, like one of the smartest guys I know will actually go back past his place on the way back to the ranch. mm -hmm. He farms a couple hundred acres. He also builds rockets in his basement that fly to twenty thousand feet and do multi-stage things. Mm-hmm. Like and you meet this guy at the beer joint and you're like, That's just just another old yeah. farmer. But then you go find him at a weekend at a rocket fly, totally different guy. And he's yeah. in his element and like he's rattling off, you know, specific impulse and thrust curves and pressure ratios. And I'm just like I, I thought that, you were just a farmer, man.
1: Yeah, but, that that I think that speaks on something. I don't think people I don't think people understand just how multidisciplinary skilled agriculture people are, because you you literally grow up, come out of the womb in a problem solving environment. You have to. There is there is no margin for outsourcing your mechanical problems or any of your problems. Really, it's all about figuring it out, right? Like you have you have to work on your own equipment if you want to be profitable. You have to work on your own equipment. You have to you have to problem solve. And so to think that these people aren't can't you know, can't think with foresight and vision It is actually is ridiculous. And maybe it's just hard to see that because we're not, maybe we're not taking some actions that we need to go ahead and be taking to, and it's not necessarily just to show it, especially if those actions result in act like better returns. We can, we can do, you know, knock out two birds with one stone from a, from, you know, a societal societal aspect or from a, from a presentation to the rest of the world and, And to ourselves and our operations.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really it it really is important to be reflective like that though, Mm -hmm. River. I think that is how we are gonna grow as people, as individuals, as communities, right? I look at Pratt and I'm honestly really impressed. Like it's always so good to come into like a small town and see that people haven't given up on it because the only people that keep these small towns and these rural places al- alive are the people around, right? So the only reason Pratt might be on the, the list of options for somebody from the coast is because we've done a good job of building the community. And honestly, we need those people more than, than they might need us, right? I mean, if you're selling a $5 million single family home in LA to move out here, Imagine what that can do for our economy. You look around and it's really easy to get against the people that have done financially really well, that have helped prop these communities up like farmers and ranchers. It's really easy to get on them about their money and what they've done, but it just shows you that all it takes is a little bit of impact. Cause you go to where I'm from, the money goes to Vegas and Cabo and it doesn't stay in town and our town sucks. It, our fault though, right? So like, it's just that easy to be this or that. And and it just comes down to individual decision-making. Somebody somewhere made that decision. And with like the Rover, like why it's so crazy to think that, you know, they scream at us, Hey, learn to code, learn to code. All right. Somebody heard river, heard that in rural America and, and built is building something. And I think the inspiration for anybody, regardless of age, like we live out here where it's a it's a test ground, can't really mess things up. In a pasture, it's really hard. So, you know, it, it's this is an open market to innovate. You don't have city and ordinances to go with. It's it's an opportunity and a blessing that we have. You got your dad's shop, you know. Like there's a
1: lot of innovators out there and that 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 don't there's a lot of people out there that do not have the same opportunities as us and, you know it just kind of works backwards against what we were saying about you know being in the middle of nowhere is kind of also sucks sometimes but you know you, you can really you can really show the world your value based on what we have out here and what you've grown up with so you know, it's improving systems. The way I do it, the, my entire point out of all of this is, we can really. I think we can really impact all the issues that we're talking about right now by improving our systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you can do that. And whether you improve, and whether you do that, and whether you do that from the money that you make improving those systems, or from the system that you build that you then sell, the money you make from that, or however it is, or that just the presentation that you that you put on to paint you know, the industry in a better light. However, the, whatever the way, I think if you are always working towards doing a better job at something, right. And really, and being open-minded, right. Quit looking for the pitfalls and everything. You're, there's going to be lots of new things and and most of them aren't going to be good. But if you start coming in with an open mind, you're going to see yourself, you're going to see yourself excel at whatever, whatever you're doing because, you know, if you look for the wrong in something right off the bat every time, you're going to find the wrong in something right off the bat every time. And is it, are you going to move forward with it? No.
0: Mm-hmm. Not. One of my mentors that I had in the Navy, gentleman by the name of, uh, we'll just call him Chief, we'll, we'll just call him Senior Chief Rice because that was his first name, I think, was Senior Chief. Um, Senior Chief Rice always used to tell me, you get what you inspect. And yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, you get what you inspect. Yep. You know, you, if you go looking, you'll you'll find what you're looking for. Yep. And if you don't find what you're looking for, keep looking, and it won't take long. Yep. So we we've got to start moving on out of here. Um, what's what's on the horizon for Smooth Ag? What are you guys looking forward to in the next uh, next six months a year?
1: Uh, we're gonna, so deployment. So we have customers in pipeline. We have customers uh, to deliver to. Um, so you're gonna you're going to see a lot of you're going to see a lot of really boots hitting the ground now you're gonna see a lot of machine you're gonna see machines in action you're gonna see a lot of content on that yeah. um I think that you're also going it's gonna we're gonna enter this period of what is really important to us is building trust and confidence in the product and uh, and what we're doing so you know we'll have to be on our a game um mm-hmm. in that in that aspect so i I think, all in all, a lot a lot of good things, and I think we're going to see things excel very fast from here. Um, I think it's like drones. Whenever drones first came out, it's like, oh yeah, whatever. And then, like five years later or eight years later, everybody's got one. Yeah, now everybody's got them. Everybody's got one now, right? It's like, okay, this it's this. That's how fast it moves, right, guys? Like, okay, you know, you're like, you're wary about it now, but I'm I'm telling you, as you see, you know, you may be. Worry about it now, like I said. But then let's let's give it like three, four. This is the time that you're going to start seeing like that, just every day, just more and more um, growth and uh, what what we call it like reliability. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're going to see a lot more of that. So I think also you're going to see some different um, equipment start to uh, start to make the uh, um, the media covers you know uh now, you're presided. not just
0: talking about your range rover you're talking about <laughs> other stuff that has yet to be imagined I, well, there's some stuff we're going to do
1: um and it that has been imagined and that yeah that that has been imagined that what you're going to see out of us but yes on that that point right there i think you're going to you're about to see like once this uh once this kind of disease like once it kind of takes off this disease kind of takes off i think we're about to see a lot enter this in- industry it is the sleepiest industry in ag as far as tech goes right now. And you know how fast they went to cash crops over the last, like, five years.
0: Yeah. How fa-
1: ag tech has blown up. Ag- you didn't even know what... Uh, ag tech wasn't a word five years ago, basically. You know, it was not thrown away around like it is now. And it never even caught on to cattle, for some reason. Like, nobody hears about ag tech and cattle. And and so I think you're going to see a lot. You're going to see a lot of that hit cattle. Well,
0: I think I've... Fast. I've been hearing, I think, maybe maybe speaking a little bit for Brennan here but you know for the last 15 years I think it's been a struggle for the tech sector to try to adapt or do anything with cattle or with agriculture because there's so many different kinds of cattle operations there's it's and it's it's so diverse like you're there's no such thing as a typical cow owner. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about that earlier. A typical cow owner owns what? Like forty-two point two cows. Like yeah. mm-hmm. okay, that guy doesn't exist. You know, what is he dressed like? Well, we could probably pick most of them out of a crowd,
1: but not all of them. Yeah. Well, it's hard and to it, put a metric on it's it's hard to put a metric on it. It's not as many bowls that are on a the amount of bowls that are on this many stalks within this,
0: on right. this you many know, rows, or plant right. population not, per foot, or mm-hmm. you know pounds of this per, per acre, acre it's, yeah. it's something that's that's got more variables that are more loosely defined mm-hmm. and more difficult. It's a to harder problem.
1: Yeah, it's a harder problem to solve. But I don't think. But if the money, but if it's there,
2: I, I think that's no. it though, no, right? Like there is an inflection point, like the supply and demand curve. Uh, challenges that are worth solving because they're easy to solve, and how much money you can make. And I think the choice has been clearly decided by most people that solve easy problems that make money first, and then we'll come to conclusions. I, I just think what, what's crazy is that it wasn't a traditional place. Like River, like he said, in his, like, origin story, it was, like, I just want to find one that I can just buy, right? Well, that's... We're, we're not there at all. And so, like... It's clear that we've got a ways to go with cattle, and it's just beginning.
1: Yeah, it's a lot, lots of opportunity in the marketplace, right? Like There's a lot of opportunity in this
0: industry. Well, I'm it for innovation. I'm glad I got to know you guys at the start of your journey. That way, I get to watch you as I get old, and you guys, <laughs> and you guys kind of mature your program. We'll get old too fast. <laughs> Running a business <laughs> will do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Especially in agriculture with cyclical drought. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah yeah thanks for having us though this yeah this was has awesome, been great man. yeah it's been really a lot of fun it. appreciate yeah. you guys coming up uh all the way from the panhandle it's been an awesome day and uh you know we're we're, we're kind of wrapping up the podcast but we still have like almost another hour together driving around so
2: that's uh, rural america for you
0: yeah yeah I mean, you know we had to drive an hour to get to the podcast well it's not that bad of a drive no oh, yeah. it's no. beautiful that's, that's how uh, it is. scenic
2: uh what do they what do they call it gypsum hills yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, I'll have to I'll have to do a little brainstorming in the next ninety seconds and figure out a way to go home that we didn't come up here. So you guys get to see a little bit of the extra of the country. Heck yeah! So, all right, do that. well, thank you so much. You bet. You bet. All right, guys, um, we're going to go ahead and and cruise right on out of here. Y'all out there, have a great week. See ya.